Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. Hi there, I'm Devin Wilkins, founder and president of CATRA, the Canadian Old Time Radio Alliance, and I'm really glad once again to have the opportunity to introduce a new generation of Canadians to Canadians and Old Time Radio. We're going to hear a quiz show in our Made in Canada segment. And so here, from July 29th, 1942 is an edition of Treasure Trail. Happiness Treasure Trail is presented in appreciation of your local retail merchants, that friendly group whose service we all enjoy every day. Yes, this is Treasure Trail. Oh, you'd like those two elegant gents, hmm? Well, here they are, Norris McKenzie and Kenneth Hughes. Thank you very much, and welcome one and all to the 172nd presentation of Treasure Trail, featuring the pot of silver filled with 115 shining new silver dollars. Here they go. Uh, 114 and 15. Now, every time I ring my national cash register, like that, it builds up the big cash prize for our listening audience. All right, now tonight we have a very important announcement. This is our last Treasure Trail program until next fall. Yes, sir, we're getting a summer vacation. So tonight, if our telephone question is not answered correctly, or if the call does not come in, all money left at the end of the program will be donated by Wrigley's to the Red Cross. Now, our last show of the series. Let's have some fun. Ken Hughes, our first number is number nine. Number nine is the first lucky one this evening. And it's a young lady... How do you do? And your name? Muriel Forrester. Muriel Forrester, and I see you are in uniform tonight. The CWAC. Well, indeed, welcome to Treasure Trail. Well, Muriel, you picked up for yourself question number eight. It's worth one silver dollar. Tell me, when a person faints, should their head be placed higher or lower than their feet? Don't demonstrate right now. <laughs> Should their head be placed lower or higher than their feet? What would you say? Uh, it should, should be lower. That is correct. <laughs> Absolutely right. Uh, I guess the young lady has fainted herself. <laughs> 
The next number is 55. Number 55. Number 55, gentlemen of the air <laughs> Well, good evening. And your name, please? Freddie Warren. Well, Freddie, would you take a question? Right down there in the box? I'll unfold it. It's number nine that you picked up. It's worth one silver dollar. Now, besides being in the movies, what does Dopey of the Seven Dwarfs and Harpo Marx have in common? These two have something in common. What is it? Dopey of the Seven Dwarfs and Harpo Marx. I could say they're both stupid. <laughs> Would you like to elaborate on that? Are you dumb? Yes, uh, they're, they're very both, dumb, aren't yes. they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, just uh, so we'll avoid a libel suit there, the correct answer is neither of them speak on the screen. That's close enough. All right, the next number is 72. 72. Number 72. Oh, number 72 has a chance of that pot of silver. I believe the number is right down here. It is. If I could get this microphone cord to follow me around here. And <laughs> your name, sir? Tommy Davis. Well, would you take a question, Tommy, please? Sure. Five dollar one. Oh, I see. Well, we'll hope. Here it is. We'll open it up and see what it's worth. Oh, I'm sorry. It's only one only silver one? dollar. Oh, but see. it's number four, and uh, let's see what you can do with it. You've all heard of the famous restigouche or Gaspé salmon. In what Canadian province is the Restigouche River located? Repeat that, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no doubt you've heard of the famous Restigouche or Gaspé salmon, you know, kind of fish. Yeah. But tell me, what Canadian province is the Restigouche River located in? Now, there's only nine provinces. Prince Edward Island. Uh, I'm sorry that's not right, but we're trying, Tommy. Here's a package of Wrigley Sweet 16 cinnamon gum. Well, that makes me the first. Thank you. That was a good try. The first uh, silver dollar is made up here at this end of the microphone tonight, and the correct answer, Tommy, is New Brunswick. New Brunswick, the rest of Goose River. All right, number 10. 10, number 10, 1 0. <laughs> oh, it's me, she says. <laughs> Another lady of the CWAC, and your name, please. Dorothy Kendall. <laughs> well, Dorothy, would you take a question before you do? And <laughs> maybe we can get an answer out here. It's worth three silver dollars. <laughs> Number 16, Norris. Now, everybody's heard about them, but we want you to tell us what a printer's devil is. Well, that's the apprentice to the printer. That, that is absolutely <laughs> Uh, have you ever been out with a printer's devil, uh, young lady? Uh, that's all right. I'll see you right afterwards. <laughs> Number 73. This is getting too close. 73. 73. 73. Who has it? Number 73 is right back here. Gentlemen, this time. And good evening, sir. Your name? Okane Jack. Jack, would you take a question, please? Anyone at all from in the box there? The number you've drawn is 20. It's worth one silver dollar. Tell me, is this true or false? Diamonds are used in many industrial plants. Yes. That is absolutely correct, sir. 
Yes, that is right. Diamonds are used as drill points. And uh, the next one is 24, Ken. 2-4, number 24. Another gentleman in uniform. <laughs> of the Seaforth uh, Highlanders, I see. Seaforth Reserve. Of the reserve unit. Well, uh, I read in the paper the other day, very interested to see you have a recruiting drive on. Is that correct? Yes. Well, we certainly wish you all the luck in the world in that drive. Thanks very much. And here is the question. It's a $2 question. It's worth 10 It's rather, it's number 10. It's worth $2. Which of these men, Keats or Abraham Lincoln, said government of the people and for the people? Abraham Lincoln. He is correct for $2. <laughs> Well, I'm not making a five-cent piece up here tonight, Ken. This one is 66. Number 66. <laughs> Another gentleman in uniform, I see. And uh, your name, please. Percy Law. Would you take a question, sir? Uh, make it easy, shall we? Well, you drew the question out. It's number 19. It's worth one silver dollar. And tell me, what is it that always likes company? You know? Woman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he got it, uh, Well, you will find me one for Saturday night, old man. <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> Here's a silver dollar. He's worth it. I'll buy it. All right. All right. And now for that very important part of our program. Here's where the listening audience participates in the program. Now, beside me in the studio mailbox are all the letters received since last Wednesday... But first, here's a letter from our last week's caller, which I'd like to read to you. It says, Gentlemen, may I take this opportunity to thank you for your letter and check for $5 for attempting to answer your question on Treasure Trail's broadcast. I've taken a keen interest in your Treasure Trail program for some time and find it as delightful and refreshing as your Wrigley's uh, products. It was disappointing that I was unable to answer your question correctly and wish the next contestant better luck. Many thanks to the studio audience for their encouraging support. My best wishes to Treasure Trail, and you may be sure that my friends and I will continue to listen in each Wednesday night at 8.30. Sincerely, Mrs. R. Waite. Thank you very much for your letter, and now I'm going to select a number. It is number 26. Will the holder of that number please come up here, and Ken, would you mind getting his name? And your name, please? Sid Ashley. Sid Ashley, and I right. see you two are from the Seaforth Reserve. That's right, sir. And would you come up here, please? Here's the key to our mailbox. Insert it in that big padlock and help yourself. Okay. Now, Sid, you have a very important uh, mission tonight. You have the opportunity of unlocking that mailbox and bringing me a letter. The selection is entirely in your hands, top, bottom, sides, anywhere you like. But when you get it out, bring it over here. We'll open it up, and then... If it's all in order, I'm going to ask you to read the name and address of the sender over the air. And do you know what Ken is going to give you for this little job you've done for us tonight? I He's... it's one dollar. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's got our number. <laughs> so, I suppose the day, the day that... I... The day that I'll try and tell a Seaforth Highlander about money. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm delighted to see that the writer of this letter has enclosed the outside wrapper from a package of Sweet 16 Wrigley's Delicious Chewing Gum. Now, I want you to read this name over the air for me. Will you, Sid? Come on down to this microphone right there. <clears throat> Mrs. J. Laurie, 3348 Wilson Avenue, Burnaby, New Westminster, B.C. Thank you very much, Sid, and... Uh, Give him the uh, remuneration that he so urgently requires. Here's the dollar, Sid. Thank and you very much. Sit down. 
When that phone call comes through, Sid, you'll be able to put on this pair of headphones and listen into both sides of the conversation. Well, now, are you all listening? Here's that all-important name for this big pot of silver this evening. It is Mrs. J. Laurie, L-A-W-R-I-E, of 3348 Wilson Avenue, Burnaby, New Westminster, British Columbia. And I am delighted to say that Mrs. Laurie enclosed the outside wrapper from a package of Wrigley's delicious Sweet 16 chewing gum and therefore qualifies for double the amount on the pot of silver at the end of the broadcast if her question is answered correctly. And remember, Mrs. Laurie, there's a time limit on this phone call. And again, we are asking Mrs. J. Laurie of 3348 Wilson Avenue, Burnaby, New Westminster, B.C., to phone us as quickly as possible. Once again, Mrs. J. Laurie, 3348 Wilson Avenue, Burnaby, New Westminster, B.C. And uh, uh, you're calling, I believe, from New Westminster, so when you do, simply tell the operator to reverse the phone charges. We pay all long-distance telephone charges. And when you call, please give the switchboard operator your name, address, and birthday. She'll put the call through to us. Now, the telephone number for you to call Mrs. Laurie is Marine 3344. That's Marine 3344. And I'm starting my stopwatch. You must phone me as quickly as possible. Now, while we wait for Mrs. Laurie to phone us, here is a word from Stuart Mackay. I should have taken a chew of gum before I started. Uh, Stuart, I was just going to say, take it off your ear and sit down again. <laughs> All right, thanks very much. That was... I see that your Uncle Joe is in the audience this evening. It's all right, too. I kind of like that. <laughs> all right, Ken, the next number. Let's get on with this business of making money for somebody else. Number 69. Number 69. Number 69 is right down here. Yes, I see you're very popular tonight, sir. Your name? Jim Grant. Well, uh, Jim, if you take a question from the box there. That's fine. I'll unfold it. And it's number two that you come up with. It's worth two silver dollars. Now, the flags of each of these countries, with one exception, are made up of the color combination red, white, and blue. Great Britain, United States, Cuba, Russia, China, and Norway. Which of those countries does not have the color combination red, white, and blue in their flag? Would you mind reading the question I'll again? I'll read that question again. The flags of these countries that I'm going to tell you, with one exception, are made up of the color combination red, white, and blue. Here they are, Great Britain, the United States, Cuba, Russia, China, and Norway. Which one of those countries does not have the color combination red, white, and blue in their flag? Russia. Russia is correct. And may we wish Russia Godspeed tonight. Number 31, Ken. Number 31. 31. Gentlemen of the Air Force. Very glad to see you here. And your name, please? Art Sells. Well, Art, there's a whole pile of questions there. Just hand me one. It's number 18 you've drawn. It's worth two silver dollars. Now, in the little rhyme, hi diddle diddle, what did the dish do? The dish. You know, hi diddle diddle, the cat and the fiddle, etc. <laughs> it was a dirty dish. It ran away with a spoon. We'll give you that one. <laughs> okay, Art. <laughs>
Here's that great big phone call. And I imagine this is going to be Mrs. Lowry, but let's just find out. Hello, is this Mrs. J. Lowry, 3348 Wilson Avenue, Burnaby, New Westminster? Well, Mrs. Lowry, and how are you tonight? Uh, big shock, eh? Well, are you, uh, uh, do you, uh, uh, I have a few friends here. Do you, uh, find everything all right? Are you feeling uh, comfortable and uh, not nervous? You, what do you mean, yes? <laughs> well, anyway, I want you to know, Mrs. Lowry, that you have hit one of the big pots of silver on Treasure Trail tonight. We're wishing you all kinds of good luck, and our studio audience here is made up largely of ladies and gentlemen of the, of the armed forces. And, uh, uh, we're with you to pay your excess profit tax, are we not? <laughs> uh, now, how does, how does that sound? And, uh, because you enclosed the outside wrapper from a package of Wrigley's delicious Sweet 16 chewing gum, and Mrs. Lowry, if you answer your question correctly, you're going to get double the amount in the pot of silver at the end of our broadcast. Now, um, as you know, our friends, the retailers, like to have their names mentioned on the air. Uh, from whom do you usually buy your Wrigley's chewing gum. I'm sorry, you'll have to make that a little bit louder, please. I cannot hear it. Hickman's Grocery in Burnaby. Well, that's just fine. And now, uh, are you all set? Because uh, here is the question, the great big question that will test your skill and knowledge. And there's a time limit on this question. Are you ready? Uh, now, when you answer me, I want you to speak much louder because I can hardly hear you. Here we go. Lake Superior is the largest body of fresh water in the world. What is the largest body of salt water in the world? The Pacific Ocean is absolutely right. A millionaire before? Oh, well, you're doing very well toward the first million tonight. And may we wish you, on behalf of our cast and company and Wrigley's, every, every good fortune. I think you've had it all. Thank you, and you'll get this in the mail tomorrow. Good night, and thank you, Mrs. Laurie. Well. She made it. She made it. She certainly did. And there's going to be a very handsome uh, pot of silver this evening. And uh, while we're still sitting here and sort of recovering from this uh, shock, let's hear, hear a word from uh, Stuart Mackay. All right, let's, let's get on with our questions. Ken Hughes, this number is three. Number three. Low number, but maybe a high price. Who knows? The lady and uh, your name, please. Mrs. Tenney. Well, Mrs. Tenney, would you take a question? Oh, don't look like that. It's not going to be so hard. It's number six. It's worth two silver dollars. I think I think this will be right up your alley. Would a housewife use saffron as a water softener, a dress fabric, food flavoring, or a perfume? Saffron. Never heard it what shall we get? A water softener, dress fabric, food flavoring, or a perfume? Food flavoring is correct. <laughs> Yes, uh, that wasn't bad. <laughs> Food flavoring is the correct answer, the use of saffron. Number 39, Ken. 39, 39. 
Governor of the Air Force, and your name, please. Paul Ritchie. Well, Paul, would you take one of those questions? They're all just waiting to be answered. It's number 12. It's worth one silver dollar. When two or more people say they're going to bury the hatchet, what do they mean? Well, they won't quarrel anymore. Yeah, me and Norris, we're going to bury the hatchet after the program. That's correct. Uh, that is an old Indian custom. Uh, no, no reference to the fact that Hughes is an Indian. It really is. They, All right, so I'm going to bury the hatchet with you in your head. That's what I thought you were getting to. But that is the right answer. Congratulations. And the next number, Ken, is number 54. 5-4. Five, 54. 54. 54, down here. Well. The Air Force again is predominant. Sorry, night. That's your night, I'll bet. Charles Bryant. Would you take a question, Charles, please? Sir. Well, I'll open it if you don't mind. Uh, and I see you've got the $5 question. <laughs> it's number five, Norris. What is the only province in Canada that touches four of the Great Lakes? The only province in Canada that touches four of the Great Lakes. Province of Ontario. The Can province of Ontario! <laughs> I can tell by that big smile that he chews Wrigley regularly. Say, that's kind of good. Wrigley regularly. Have you ever tried that? <laughs> Number 44, Ken. 4-4. Four, 44. Four. Young lady this time. Well. <laughs> yes, sir. Good evening. Your name? Chrissy Matthew. Well, Chrissy, would you take a question, please? And uh, let's see if we can get lots of help on this question. I'll just bet you will. Well, it's question number does. 13. I don't think you're nervous, but it's worth one silver dollar. What did one cannibal say to the other cannibal? Well, I'm a cannibal. You're a cannibal. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't want to know. <laughs> Can't you do this after? Can't you uh, carry on this conversation after the show and let's get down to business? Right now? Uh, we'll give you that one. He I said. I think we will too. Yeah. It's worth it all. <laughs> The answer we have here, young lady, is that uh, one cannibal said to t'other cannibal, he says, Say, Johnny, what's cooking? Something like that. <laughs> All right, number 13. Number 13. He's going to be lucky. Indeed he is. And uh, your name, please? Matthews. Hiya, pal. Oh, howdy. <laughs> Would you all like to take a question? I do. Uh, here we are with question number one. It's worth three silver dollars. Well, it's your game, so am I. Here it is. What island in Canada is the most heavily populated? Now, I didn't say had the biggest population. Is the most heavily populated. What island in Canada? Thank you, Ralph. Um, I'm sorry. But uh, before you get away from me, have you a package of Wrigley's gum with you? Definitely. Oh, definitely, he says. A man of few words. Here it is, a package of PK. And where did you purchase that, sir? Sergeant's Mess Canteen, the barracks. Well, for your good memory, here's one silver dollar anyway. Uh, sir, don't feel too badly about that because uh, I think uh, it was a very good second uh, selection. The correct answer is Montreal Island. The city of Montreal is located on Montreal Island, and it gives by far the heaviest population. Okay? All right. We make, uh, let me see, three shining silver dollars up here. And, Ken, the next number is 68. 
68. Number 68. Number 68 has a chance of that pot of silver. Here's the gentleman over here. And if we get over here... This is a difficult one. It's a difficult one. He says 89 or 68. Oh, I'll bite 68. <laughs> Your name, please? Ginther. Would you take a question, Mr. Ginther, please? Here's the one you've drawn for yourself. It's number 17. It's worth one silver dollar. Now, in the old fairy tale, how did the prince wake up the sleeping beauty? Kissed her. <laughs> oh, yeah, the gay dog. He did. <laughs> All right, this one is number 21, Ken. Number 21. 21. I was hoping for a lady. <laughs> number 21. Oh, member of the Seaforth Reserve. Well, yeah. and they've told me your name. What is it, please? Barney Pullen. Oh, it is. <laughs> Barney well, Pullen. Well, I understood that uh, you chaps had this recruiting drive on. Say, you, look, I was, you, um, you, you look good in I one look of these good. things. Well, tell me, what's the uh, age requirements? Never mind the age. Just come down. We'll give you a uniform. Make a good soldier. Make a good Scotchman. Did I get one of these? Sure, things? and do I get an accent? Irish. That's not right. Oh. <laughs> Here's the question. Number three, it's worth two silver dollars. A woman is only a woman, but a good cigar is a smoke. What world-famous author said that? A woman is only a woman, but a good cigar is a smoke. What this country needs is a good five-cent cigar, you know. Unquote. I mean, that wasn't right. <laughs> what world-famous author said that? Barry Twain. Mm, I'm no. sorry that's not right, but for trying anyway, here's a package of Wrigley Sweet 16 cinnamon gum. Thanks. And, uh, Mr., uh, uh, is it uh, Sergeant Pullen? Would that be all right anyway? And it's... No, 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 no. Frank... Oh, I thought I thought it was a general all this time. Any, anyway, uh, sir, the correct answer to that is Rudyard Kipling. All right, thank you very much. And now, uh, if I can just get Stuart Mackay's attention out there, I think uh, we're going to uh, have a short word on a very interesting subject uh, while we figure out this matter of money. But uh, I see there we are. Here it is. And uh, let's just find out what this is worth. All right, uh, Stuart, have you got a word to say? Well, Norris, I haven't got a thing to say. I have something I'd like to bring in just a little later on in the program, but uh, if you just carry on now and just tell them how much money's left in the pot for our prize winner, I think we can push off the air in record time. Well, I have a real thrill here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, because the winner from our air audience tonight, Mrs. J. Lowry of 3348 Wilson Avenue, Burnaby, New Westminster, B.C., uh, gets a total of 176 shining silver dollars. <laughs> And Mrs. Laurie, our complete congratulations to you. And this prize of $176 will be delivered or mailed to you tomorrow. And so tonight's edition of Treasure Trail comes to a close. With the ending of tonight's program, we go off the air until the fall season. Watch your papers and listen for announcements over this station telling you when Treasure Trail returns to the air. Remember, it's next fall for more fun and happiness on Treasure Trail. And wherever you are, at home or away, treat yourself daily to refreshing Wrigley's chewing gum. Good night and goodbye for now. Treasure Trail, a copyrighted radio feature, is produced in Vancouver by Stuart Mackay.
Now for a comedy from our Canadians Abroad segment. Yes, friends, another half hour of laughs. And tonight's escapade with our guest, Charles Lawson, and our star, Alan Young. Our story tonight starts with Alan and his girlfriend, Betty, seated in the movie. And now, here's Alan Young! I like going to the movies with you, Betty. Oh, I'm so sorry. The picture's all over, Alan. Those were the most romantic love scenes. Yeah. Too bad the usher made us break it up. <laughs> Alan, you probably didn't see the picture with that big fat woman sitting in front of you. Well, I got a little look at the screen. She had a pierced ear. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go, Alan. This is where we came in. Wait a minute, Betty. They're flashing on the coming attraction. Oh, come on, Alan. Wait a minute, please. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Wonder who's in that one? <laughs> Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Come and see the new sensational picture from pillar to post, starring Lassie. <laughs> <laughs> and Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the Dolly Sisters with Betty Grable and Selected Shorts. Just a minute, Alan. I want to put on some more makeup. Okay, Betty. I cried so much in that scene where they evicted the old people from the house. Yeah, what a touching ending. <laughs> Betty, those, those pictures aren't true to life. Nobody gets evicted these days. Well, I'm more than six months behind on my rent, and nobody's even bothered me. Well, I, I'm ready, Alan. Let's go. Oh, it stopped raining. Yeah. Here's the car, Betty. Step right in. I'll, I'll open the door for you. Let's see if I can put the door back on the hinges. <laughs> Alan, why don't you get rid of this car? It's got so many different parts, you can't even tell what make it is. I beg your pardon? Well, this car happens to be custom made. It's half Chrysler and half Jeep. It's sort of a creep. the car is a man's job. All I want you to do is to get out and push. <laughs> so, try to start it once more, Alan. Okay. It's caught on! <laughs> I mean, it's caught on. <laughs> well, we're off. Alan, you know that picture we saw tonight makes you realize how bad the housing shortage is. That's not so serious. There are always apartments for rent. Betty, I could find a vacancy if I used my head. <laughs> Look, Alan, look at all the houses on this block. Every one of them has a sign, no vacancy. What are you talking about? They look like that cute home in the corner with the gray shutters. They haven't got a no vacancy sign on that house. Alan, that's a funeral parlor. <laughs> oh. Well, I still insist, Betty, that housing shortage is exaggerated. How can you be so blind? Now, look at that house down there. All that furniture piled up on the sidewalk. They just evicted another poor soul. I have no pity on them. Any guy who let himself be evicted must be a jackass who doesn't know his own rights. Well, if that were my house, I... 
Ay, ay. Ay, 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 ay. Alan, what's the matter? It is my house. Get out of this car. Probably dispossessed you because you haven't paid your back rent. Yes, Betty. They threw me out of my arrears. <laughs> Look how they piled my furniture on the lawn. They might at least have put my bed under the street lamp. A fellow likes to read in bed. Alan, doesn't Hubert Updike own this property? Yeah, that rich Hubert owns half the town. Oh, but Hubert wouldn't do a thing like this. <laughs> well, here he comes driving up now. Ask him. Oh, Betty, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Hubert, did you have me evicted just because I didn't pay my back rent? Uh, yeah, sir. Alan, I need all the space for my new building. I'm constructing my penthouse on the 40th floor. What's the rest of the building for? To hold up my penthouse. <laughs> oh, that was a witty one. Yeah, I'll because I've been so successful in my money-lending business. Yeah? Yes, I, I only started it two days ago, and I've already loaned out $4 million. Well, who'd you lend it to? Oh, I didn't bother to get their name. <laughs> but you can't evict me. You haven't got a legal right to do it. Hubert, <laughs> you, you've got to let me back in my house. Absolutely not. Well, Hubert, I know your game. You want me to plead with you. You want me to humble myself by begging. Ah, no. You won't find Ellen Young begging. Come on, Betty, let's go. Help me off my knees. <laughs> Hubert, stop and think what you're doing. Tonight, when you're home in your warm, comfortable mansion, Alan will be out here in the cold night without a roof over his head. Then what will you say? Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. <laughs> Come on, Betty. I think she's got me scared. I don't care. I'm not afraid to live out in the open. I'm strong, see? I got stamina. Let the cold come. Let the winds howl. Let the rains pour. It won't affect me. Ha, 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 ha. Thank you. Listen to the poor chicks and chat saying, I'm always chasing rainbows. I'm always chasing rainbows. Watching clouds drifting by. My dreams are just like all my dreams. And Good to me. And 
to spend the night outdoors, but Betty, fearful of his health, won't hear of it. Instead, she's taking Alan home with her where she plans to ask her father to put him up for the night. As we look in on the worried couple, they're tiptoeing upstairs to Mr. Dittenfeffer's room where he's fast asleep. Betty, you know how your father hates me. You think you'll mind if I wake him up? Oh, no, Alan. He's a very light sleeper. We'll just open the door. There. Oh, look how peacefully he's sleeping. I guess I'll Mr. Dittenpepper, you, Mr. Dittenpepper, speak to me. I guess I can bring a post to the Oh, I don't know. Alan, the best way to wake Daddy is to tickle his toes. Okay. You can stop now, Alan. Daddy's awake. Oh, I say, uh... Aha! So, you do, Adam Bump. Give me my beat. Give me my beat. Oh, sure. Here they are in this glass of water, Mr. Dittenpepper. Thanks. There. Now, Alan Young... What's the idea of waking me up? Well, Daddy, dear... Now, uh, quiet. Let Alan talk. Let <laughs> Alan talk. Oh, Mr. Dittenpepper. Shut up. <laughs> Alan Young, how dare you come out here and wake me up? Daddy, Alan would like to sleep here tonight. He's been evicted from his house. Alan's been evicted from his house? Oh. <laughs> Thrown out in the street. <laughs> Furniture all over the sidewalk. <laughs> Dittenpepper, don't take it so hard. <laughs> Daddy, please let Alan sleep here. Alan Young will sleep here over my dead body. Make an awful lump on the mattress. <laughs> Alan Young, get out of this house. Get out! Just what are you hinting at? All right, Daddy. Make Alan walk the streets all night. But remember this. When you're in your warm, comfortable bed, Alan will be out in the cold night without a roof over his head. Then what will you say? Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Ought to be a phone booth in this drugstore. I'll call a few hotels. I'll get a room. Now, there's a phone right over here. Look at that sign over the booth. During the present housing shortage, please limit your calls to five days. I'll just go right in and start calling hotels. Uh, oh, pardon me. I didn't know there was anybody in there. I'll wait. It won't take me long, sir. I'm just phoning for a hotel room. Hello, room clerk. This is Charles Lawton calling. You have a room for me. 
Oh, you do? Is it a nice room? Oh, it's a little small when the elevator comes down. <laughs> you have anything else? Oh, it is, and the bathroom is out of this world. <laughs> That's a long walk on a cold night over. <laughs> What's that? Oh, you just rented it. Now, look here, I've had enough of this dilly-dallying. If you can't give me a room, you can have the courtesy to tell me... Where... Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, at least there'll be heat in the room. <laughs> well, pal, I'm afraid I'll have to go back to sleeping in the Y. You have a room in the Y? Not exactly. You know that big electric sign that says YMCA? Huh? Well, I sleep in the Y. <laughs> Well, I guess we're in the same boat. My name is Alan Young. I'd be much more impressed if your name were Waldorf Astoria. <laughs> Son, you live around here. Don't you know any place where a man can spend the night? Well, you can come home with me. I've got a completely furnished three-room... A three-room house? Well, it's not exactly a three-room house. Three-room apartment? Well, it's not exactly an apartment. Well, tell me, son, what is it? Well, it's a completely furnished three-room sidewalk. <laughs> I was evicted. Son, are you asking me to sleep out in the open like a common bum? Yes. Well, let's go. <laughs> Mr. Lawton. Yes, Alan. Mr. Lawton, have you finished undressing? Yes, Alan. Good. Can I use the rose bush now? <laughs> Washing up, I'm using them for the bird bath. <laughs> Will it take long? Yes, there are two robins ahead of me. <laughs> I get my skipper. But I'm ready for bed. You know, it's pretty cold in this place. Well, it shouldn't be. I just lift the smudge pots. <laughs> well, Miss Lawton, I, I guess I'll get into bed. Okay, now I'll get into bed. <laughs> now I'll get back into bed. <laughs> Oh, darn it. I forgot to put out the light. I'll take care of that. Where's my shoe? Well, good night, Mr. Lawton. Good night, Alan. Oh, dear. I think it's starting to rain. I just, I just felt a few drops in my face. Oh, it can't be raining. The sky's clear. Look up. You can see the Big Dipper. Well, the darn thing must be leaking. <laughs> I still tell you... Was that thunder? It wasn't something I hit. Where is the storm over? It's coming down in sheets. Yes, I haven't been this wet since meeting on the bounty. <laughs> Let's grab the bed and get into the house. Uh, uh, be careful, old boy, getting the bed through the door. I... So heavy, we'll never make it. Oh, come along, Alan. Light as a feather, nothing to it. Just ease it through the door. Yeah. It goes down right over here. There we are. Oh. Wasn't so bad carrying that bed, was it? No, but it would have been easier if you'd get out of it. <laughs> I think we'll be comfortable here. Yeah, we won't be able to stay here long. You know, Hubert up like will find our way here and throw me out again. That's Hubert on the phone already. Don't answer it. 
Yes. I can't handle it. i got to answer Don't it. Don't answer that phone. Yes. Then, then I'll have to cut the wire, that's all. I'll get my knife. There. That takes care of it. <laughs> it's still ringing. It's driving me crazy. I'm going to fix that phone so it'll never ring again. <laughs> Uh, that did it. That won't bother us anymore. <laughs> no. No. I cut the wires. I broke the phone. Why is it still ringing? Why, why, why? I'll tell you why. It's the doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? He's going to throw us out in the rain. No, Ellen, he won't throw us out. I just thought of something. It's against the law to evict a dying man. But I'm not dying. I wouldn't even know how to fake it. I'll show you how. Now, you concentrate, Alan. You're sinking fast. You know you're going, and you can't fight me longer. You're going, Alan. You're going into the great beyond. You're going, say something. Say something. Bye now. Five men to wear the fat side jack. That's right. 
impatiently rings the doorbell outside. Charles Lawton is preparing Alan for his great dying scene in the last-minute effort to forestall eviction. All right, Alan. I'm ready to let Hubert in now. Just lie quietly in bed and groan softly. But, Mr. Lawton, that won't work. Hubert will be able to tell my real condition by the color of my cheeks. You're right. I'd add a little rouge so he won't think you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Now, remember, you're dying because Hubert caused you to be exposed to that terrible rain. Now, start groaning a little. I'm going to let Hubert in. All right. Oh, how dare you keep me waiting? Oh, I'm so hungry I could give you a smart. <laughs> Quiet, please. Don't act like a ruffian. A ruffian, am I? Well, now you really irked me. Now I'm going to use profanity. To you, sir, piss and fart. <laughs> Pish and tush, eh? And to you, sir, tush and pish. <laughs> I, I warn you not to arouse me. I'm a brute. I was the star halfback of Harvard. So what? I was the star hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> Thank you to show the proper respect. Someone in this house is passing on. Right there in that bed. Alan, for heaven's sake, start passing on. (laughs) Heavens to make bounty. (laughs) It's Alan Young. Hubert, this is all your fault. You have driven me into the rain. Now I lie here, wretched and drenched. (laughs) I grow weaker, weaker, and weaker. I'm going now, but I shall come back and haunt you. Haunt you! Wherever you are. Well, if I'm not home, you'll find me at the stork club. (laughs) Excuse me, I want to take his temperature. Here, Alan, let me slip this thermometer in your mouth. There. Mm -hmm. Uh, What does it say? Drink Southern Comfort. (laughs) You're using the cocktail mixer. No use taking my temperature. I'm going fast. Go. I hear music. Sweet music in the distance. The sound of heart. Alan, what are they playing? One day, Tuesday. <laughs> I see a vision. A long road leading up to the sky. And that road is a golden chariot driven by an angel in a long white robe. That's Madman Munt. <laughs> Alan, I was worried about you in the rain. Oh. Alan, what's going on? What are you doing in bed? Uh, quiet, Betty. Alan is about to become deceased. <laughs> I evicted him into the rain. Oh, 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 Alan, you're so wet. Oh, you're soaked from head to foot. That's all right, Betty. Where I'm going, it'll dry out quick. <laughs> oh, no. No, you can't go. You can't go. When you gotta go, you gotta go. Betty, <laughs> would, you, would you grant me one last request? Anything, Alan. 
kiss these fading lips, for I am going fast. All right, Alan. Betty, kiss these fading lips, for I am going fast. Betty, kiss these fading lips, for I'm going fast. Alan, you'd better stop this steam coming out of your ears. <laughs> I gotta get enough steam to go. Hubert <laughs> Dyke, look what you've done. You're responsible for this. Oh. Your cruelty and greed has torn this young man from the arms of the gal he loves. Oh. And here he lies on his bed of pain. <laughs> A young man forgotten, forlorn, and, uh, and, uh, forsaken. Forsaken. Oh. <laughs> Listen, I'll make it up to you, Alan. I'll have him buried in our family plot in the First National Bank. <laughs> I don't think Alan can last much longer. I'll go upstairs and lay out his full dress suit. Don't wear that. I'll just wear the sports jacket. <laughs> don't want to go formal. <laughs> Before I leave you, but I, I want you to grant me one last request. Say it, Alan. Say it. Anything you wish. Well, that, that notice, that paper you're bringing into the house, I, I could depart happy if I knew that that was torn up. Uh, but, Alan, this notice... Please, you, but please, make me happy, boy. Tear <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that document. Oh, very well, Alan. There you are, Alan. It's torn into thousands of pieces. We did it, Alan, we put one over on it. We can stay here. Alan, you've jumped out of bed. You're all right. Of course. We put it over on him, didn't we, Charlie? Yes, <laughs> we made him tear up the eviction notice. <laughs> this is very funny. <laughs> because that wasn't an eviction notice. It wasn't? No, I had a change of heart, so I was bringing you a two-year lease with free rent. And you made me tear it up? Oh, no! Oh, no! No! Listen to that thunder out there. Yes, you know, Alan, it was very clever of you to find a room like this for both of us. Yeah, it was a little difficult, but I'll choose it. Uh-oh. What is it? We have to get out of this booth. Somebody wants to use the phone.
hear that. Thanks, Mike. Friends, I'm sure you'll join me in saying how much we enjoy Charles Lawton tonight. Thanks, Mr. Lawton. It's a pleasure to be here, Alan. I saw you in that new film of yours because of him. You did? Yes. I was sitting up in the front row. I'm surprised you didn't recognize me. (laughs) Well, the film was going so fast, I hadn't time to say hello. (laughs) Good night, Alan. Good night, Mr. Lawton. David R. Swartz and Norman Paul, and comes to you from Hollywood. The part of Hubert Updike is played by Jim Back and Betty by Gene Gillespie. The music is by Four Chicks and Chuck and George Wilde. clock on the wall says, I've got to get out of here. See you next week. If you've enjoyed the shows you've heard during the past hour, be sure to tune in again next week same time, same station, when once again, we'll listen to programs that are remembered today thanks to the involvement of Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins speaking.